Good morning. Test, test, test. I know you, all of you are really good because you set your clocks an hour ahead. That's really, The problem is some of the clocks in the building aren't right, so that one's three minutes off now. So I think we sh- when I change the clocks, I should have put batteries in them also. So They've been going off. I've already changed those batteries. They've, they've, they met their year, and they've been beeping all over this building. So uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've uh, allowed us to study the will of man, to grasp the thoughts that are in this understanding and how we can better uh, control our thought patterns, our life patterns, our decisions. Father, again, we thank you for your graciousness to us. Father, give us a peace of mind this morning as we spend time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are studying uh, the will of man. This is, this is potentially the second to last class. Uh, what I'm going to start um, in the next... In, within the next three weeks, is I'm going to do an overview of the entire Bible. Not in one day. I'm going to try and do it um, as proficiently as possible, but we'll probably try and get through a book of the Bible each week to give you an overview, an understanding, a theme of it, a, a verse, an outline kind of thing, just to get a flow of biblical history. Um, so that'll start in probably two weeks. So... In this class, in the first class, so that's what we're, what my goal is to do, and uh, after those three years are over, I'll decide next. <laughs> no, I, prayerfully, there's 66 books, a couple of a week of introduction, so we do the math. So um, we are studying. Uh, we've gotten to the point in the study that we've been in in the will of man. We've gotten to the point about discussing self-control. We started this study last week a little bit. Uh, uh, talking about what is self-control because it is a biblical word. And what I want to bring up this morning a little bit about biblical words is a, a problem usually arises when we say words that are secularly used. In other words, it's common language in every day to use certain words, and then the Bible has different definitions for it. So I think one of the important things we need to look at is this word being used in a secular manner. Are we understanding it in a secular manner when it's in the Bible? And then go back and say, probably, because that's human viewpoint, to look at it. So if I say to you self-control, there's a human viewpoint behind it. But I want to know what the Bible says it means. You get the difference? Because the Bible does take common understanding. So I want to look at a few so you can get, just get a feel for what we're doing because when we talk about self-control, there's a couple of things we've got to understand. One of the things we have to get is a biblical understanding. Secondly, when we talk about self-control in a um, biblical framework, most of you will say, is that spirit control? Or are they different in situations? We have human viewpoint on situations, or we have satanic uh, viewpoint. Because I, I don't know if you know this, but Satan's a Bible teacher. Did you know that? Seriously, did you, you? And what does he usually teach? Something that's close to the truth, something that sounds like the truth. He either adds words or subtracts words. In the second class next week, we're going to be talking about that a little bit. It's a well of water springing up to eternal life. So here's where you got water. Is it physical? She took it as physical to start with, or is it spiritual? And Jesus meant both. Because if you take this water, this water here, you'll thirst again. If you take of mine what I what I offer, you'll never thirst again. So that's the spiritual context. Let's look at one more in John chapter 6, 
27, 26. <clears throat> Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, see, uh, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. Now here's the word work. What are you thinking about? Physical work. So people will say, okay, i got to work for my salvation. But Jesus didn't mean it as that, because uh, in, in the framework, he's talking about what it means to believe. If you believe in me, this is the work you should do and perform. So uh, verse 29 says, Jesus said to them, this is the work of God. So he explains it, Bible teacher, right? This is the work of God, that you believe in him who, who he has sent. So that's, that's pretty clear. He defines his terms. And sometimes you'll see Bible teachers will take a verse that is clearly defined in a few verses, but they want to plug in their understanding into something in that framework. And please keep this in mind when you study the Bible. The Bible will never contradict itself. So if somebody says, this is what this says in this verse, and it, that verse would contradict the rest of the framework of the Bible, you could throw it out and say, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Teach... Teach the Bible as a consistent unit, and you'll be safer in that manner. So uh, a rule that I would guess for Bible study is approach all Bible study with the conscious realization that my mentality has been conditioned by Satan's world to misunderstand every word in this book. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that makes difficulty in Bible study, because what? You're going to come with your understanding, your grasp of words, and plug them into that. That's why sometimes a good dictionary is the worst thing you could use. Right? Because it's going to give you a definition commonly used in the world. Uh, and we can see that many times in different words uh, and different ways things are understood. So what we we're trying this morning is we're trying to get a biblical perspective on the terminology of self-control. Okay? So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to look at some biblical aspects of the terminology self-control. That's what we're, we're striving to do. Let's see what God's Word says and understand it again in the framework of God's Word. Galatians chapter 5 deals with um, let's just start in 17 just to get, the again, the uh, content and, and the understanding of what's happening with the flow because I really want to deal with verse 23 because that's where our word appears. It says, now, the, um, I'm sorry, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit. So what I'm talking about, human viewpoint has a problem to start with because it's not spirit understood. In other words, the Spirit's not, you're not getting it from the Word of God. Your flesh is going to have opposition to the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things you please. In other words, it's not about you. Uh, but if you are, um, let me rephrase that, but since you are led by the Spirit, Paul is talking to believers, and I think sometimes believers are saying, I'm waiting for the Spirit to move me. That is the wrong thing for a believer to ever say. Is if a believer is in the Word of God, the Spirit should be moving you because it says, since, first class condition in verse 18, since you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay, you understand that? You are led by the Spirit. And how? And that's what we're going to talk about. 
Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. So if you're a believer and you can find yourself in these uh, different deeds of the flesh, uh, you know one thing. You're not spirit-led. You're not allowing the spirit to do what he naturally should do normally and naturally should do in a believer. Okay? Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, uh, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. So they're, they're, the loophole's taken care of. Look, it gives you a list of things that we could probably sit, sit around ad nauseum and talk about, but I think as adults we all know what they say there, right? And then he says, what? Things like these, so there's more. So we could put in there, etc., etc., etc. Okay, things we can identify that are not godly things happening. Of which I forewarn you, and so Paul's saying, I, I warn you that these, that you have, uh, that you just as I have forewarned that those who practice such things, in other words, is this the story of their lives? The story of their lives, they fit in those verses. Um, and they're not believers. Those who, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So what he's saying is people that are unsaved, this is characteristic of them and they're not inheriting any kingdom. They're outside of that. But he says, but in contrast to that, the fruit, the fruit, singular, of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. In other words, if you are, are led by the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to control you, these are the package you get, and you don't need a law for that. Because why? Here's the interesting thing. What does God tell and mandate even the nation of Israel to do? Be holy as I am holy. And then he goes forth and gives them what? Laws to abide by, right? How do you know if you're holy? Well, these are the things you're following. These are the obedience you're doing. And and it's not saying this makes you saved. This makes you what? A believer that is controlled by the Spirit. Therefore, you will have one of those things is self-control. Right? We on the same page so far? So we have to think uh, in different terms than a normal person. Spirit control is not contrary uh, two, but a product of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they work in harmony. Self-control, spirit control work together in harmony. It's not uh, willpower. Not, you know, I'm going to diet, and I got to say, do I have enough willpower not to eat the you know chocolate cream cake or whatever it is? Okay, uh, that's willpower. Okay, and that, and sometimes you say, okay, I lost the 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 willpower. I ate the cake, therefore now I'm going to hell. I don't think anybody would say that, right? I'm not, I, I'm not led by the Spirit. Um, and I think uh, what we miss is sometimes as if we, is that we think uh, control of the Spirit is from without, that somehow the Holy Spirit's going to take our fork and slam it down. Take our, you know, and that's, uh, that's a misunderstanding. It is not, it is not, uh, outside of us, but it's through us. The Holy Spirit gives us control of our lives. The Holy Spirit controls us from within, giving us perspective on life. And where do we get that perspective of life? It just comes down from heaven. No, we've got to be in His Word. we got to think God's thought. You know what Bible study is? I think, I think I've said it about uh, at least a couple hundred times. Bible study is thinking God's thoughts after Him. 
because our problem is we have we have mental issues. I don't play a psychologist, but most of us have human viewpoint bombarded upon us constantly. I mean, look at the hysteria that's been built up over coronavirus right now. And I know I'm going to get blasted by somebody, but it's hysteria. It's madness. There's no, you know, here's the interesting thing. There's no sterile wipes. There's no, all these things that are missing from the shelves, you've got in your bathroom. Use soap and water. I, I, just, I just don't understand that. Wash your hands. I, I, be, keep away from people that are, and tell kids to quit sneezing on you. I don't know. I had some kids sneezing in the dugout yesterday. I looked at him. I go, really? I'm old. I'm susceptible to your disease. Um, but the, the, as we look at this, hysteria is built up because we're not getting a biblical perspective on things. Uh, and here's a profound understanding I want you to get. Only when I'm growing in God that I'm in control of my life. If you're not growing and you're not spending time in God's Word, you're never going to get control of your life. You're going to be uh, easily uh, steered by things of this world. Um, I don't know what that means, but that's all right. We'll get a few more minutes of class. We'll be all right. Um, so in turn, we can get hold of ourselves. If the Word of God and God is a hold of us in the Word and convicting us, to do certain things and convincing us of a direction we should go in, it's easy. You're get a, you can get a hold of yourselves. But, however, there is a normal and abnormal way of understanding the control of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to give you some perspectives I've heard over my lifetime of the abnormal, and I'm going to give you the right way to think about it, the normal way. First of all, uh, the abnormal would be a believer wants the Holy Spirit to use him like a glove. So the Holy Spirit's going to take him and put him on, and now the Holy Spirit is uh, controlling you. It, it, in that sense, it's passive. You do nothing but say, Spirit, use me, kind of thing. Uh, you're waiting uh, constantly for the Spirit to move you, and you know it's moving you. How? I don't know. Maybe you get the EBGBs, or or you say, well, I was praying for this, and this happened. Um, and you say, therefore, it's, it's got to be right. And and how you were praying for it, and what were you praying about. Uh, now, I'm not saying prayer doesn't move God. Be careful of that. But sometimes we pray in a self-centered manner, and then we look for a prayer, an answer to prayer in what we want instead of what God wants. So we got to be careful of that. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit will never act as a human will. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit's not going to give you some message, you know, and it starts coming out on your desk, you know, uh, or or your phone, you know, somebody texts you and says you something, and you say, oh, yeah, the Spirit must be using that. Uh, that's not how that works. God gave uh, to all of us a will and an, an ability to choose. Uh, this understanding destroys the, the, what the verb says. The verb says active voice. You've got to be doing something. You've got to be involved in that. Uh, it's real easy to be involved because, first of all, James says you are to be doers of the Word. Does everybody understand what that means? That means you're supposed to be, the Word's supposed to be implanted in you. You're supposed to be spending time in God's Word. And the Word will convict you. That is the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? Um, in this scenario, though, in this abnormal scenario, all believers then are defined by what they are told to do. I'm told to do this. I've got to do this. Uh, outside sources will mold you. I remember as a kid in about growing up in a Baptist church, I was constantly plagued that if you haven't led so many people to the Lord a month, you're probably not a believer. 
I, has anybody heard that or just me? I mean, that was the thing that was pounded and hounded on us, even as kids in a Christian school. You've got to be leading people to the Lord. And I, the more I look at the Word of God, I'm not leading anybody anywhere. I am, what, watering or feeding, you know, sowing, but I'm not actually, what, pulling people out of the gates of hell and bringing them to heaven. We're, we're presenting the gospel that they've got to make a decision on. So this is wrong understanding that you, you, you're allowing uh, the Holy Spirit and outside influences to mold you. The Holy Spirit should mold you, but through the Word of God, not, not infuse you. Kind of get what I'm trying to say here? Let's look at the normal way, the biblical way of looking at this. Uh, it's what the Holy Spirit does in you and through you. And it can't happen outside of the Word of God. In other words, you can't take your Bible and sit on it and pray for, that something will come into you. you got to spend time in it. And I know many believers, the more they mature in God's Word, the more they uh, have control of the things that are life and aspects that are life. Uh, so here's, here, I'm going to give you the simplicity of having a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled uh, life, okay? A believer hears the Word of God. You, you with me so far? Believer, here's the word of God. What comes from hearing? Faith. Okay, there's one in the building that knows this. Faith is also an ability to obey God's word. We do it on what? A factual understanding of what God wants us to do. We do it on factual understanding of what will occur if we do certain when we do certain things. Um, and if God said do this because you're reading the word, you are to what? Pray about it. No, you're what? You're supposed to do what? Do it. God said, do this. And other places, God said, don't do this. And you're supposed to what? Don't do this. I mean, I, I don't know how difficult it is. More people will say, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit to move me. No. The Word of God says something. You are to be doers of the Word. Am I missing anything? Um, you are to respond as a person would respond to anything by what? Obedience. Uh, uh, we act out of obedience. We're to exercise our choice and uh, use God's word for direction. We are to have an inner guide, and it's called the word of God. Uh, active believers make choices all the time. We're, we're, I don't know about you all, but I'm making choices all the time. How many of you are in a perfectly, uh, let me, a perfect Christian environment all the time? How many of you are in a perfect... Wow, this house is filled with people. So we're, we're banging against satanic viewpoint and human viewpoint all the time. And that causes us to have to make choices in that realm. And choices to respond to things and circumstances that happen. Uh, but we can say this, and we all can say this together. I've studied God's Word. I know what God's Word says. And I am to be a doer. Uh, so the active voice just says what Nike commercials always say, just do it. Just do it. So the central action, essential issue when we talk about self-control is easy. Who's in control of my life? It's a self-definition when it says self-control. So when we talk in a biblical uh, framework, the Holy Spirit is working with, within us through His Word so that we can gain control of ourselves. In all circumstances. Uh, so somebody says to me, you, hypothetical situation, God is in control of my life all the time. Assume something. They're lying. Because that's not happening. 
I, I would like to say it happens, but let's be realistic. This takes uh, uh, an unusual amount of uh, growth to do this, and I, I'm sure somebody could probably say that at some point, but I think they're talking the majority of the time, not all the time. Uh, now, here's what happens. Uh, when we talk about who's in control, I think it's not a, a, a span of time. I believe it's issue by issue. So whatever you're going through, whatever in your calendar, whatever your uh, framework you're in, your paradigm that you live in, who you're exposed to, there's going to be issue by issue. You have to make decisions because we all live in the real world and we're bombarded by things constantly. So how do you make your decisions? Issue by issue. And I think that will help you out as you go through life because you're not responding as a whole. You're responding to that specific issue. Uh, so next time you make a bad choice, which will inevitably happen, right? We all make bad choices. we got to go back. Who was in control of that situation? What happened? Did I respond in a godly way or did I, what, react in a human way? What happened in that situation? Because uh, we want the Holy Spirit to be in control through his word, right? That's what we, that's the Christian's desire to do. And so when we look at it, um, and things happen publicly, we got to ask who is in control, what's going on in this situation. We call this, take a moment to regroup and say, what would God have me do? What is the godly thing to do? Not the right thing, the godly thing to do. Something happens secretly, most of us would say, I don't care, nobody's going to know. No, same thing. We're to step back and say, how does God want us to respond? Uh, and don't, don't sit there, and this is the part of me that... I know what all of you go through, because I do the same thing. We're trying to rationalize our responses. I responded this way because this is the extenuating circumstance. You don't really know what happened. No, no, uh, don't rationalize it. Uh, we just say we just got to ask who is in control and what were our options. That, that probably comes along with that. If a situation occurs, what are our options in this? For and and I know because most of us want to respond knee jerk. And somebody will inevitably hit that button and you'll knee jerk and say, oh, and then you step back a few days later and say, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have acted that way, it was a bad choice, uh, now i got to write you know, forgiveness cards and all those other things that we got to do. Um, but when something happens, when a situation occurs, when an issue arises, whatever you want to call it, what options do I have for reaction? Can I control myself through the Word of God and if I do, I can say the Holy Spirit is now leading me in the direction I, I go in. So I've got self-control and the Holy Spirit working in harmony. You got me? So in a biblical framework, they don't work separate and they don't work singular. They work together in harmony. Okay? If you're reacting uh, that's not in a biblical manner, you, you already know what that is. That's not... That's not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so let's talk about circumstances. Uh, today's, let's bring it up to today's world so I can uh, ridicule things. Stock market's crashing. You know, all your money saved up for the rest of your life is gone. You have nothing but two wooden nickels to rub together to make a fire. Um, let's see, coronavirus hits hits with a, a bounty. 50 people get it, you know. Uh, Sorry, that's, that's a little sarcasm. Uh, you're, you're, you're in life, you're living life, 
and you're going from circ- one circumstance to another circumstance. You're saying things like, "Why me, God? Can't you pick on somebody else?" You're 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 reviewing your life, and you re- realize that you've had continuous spin of circumstances. You think you're the only one. You're being victimized by God or something. Whatever is going on in your mind. Um, then you get home and you burn dinner and you get all mad. You throw it against the wall and the, you kick the dog and you, you yell at your husband or wife because you know it's burnt and you you're just and you say something. I'm having a bad day, okay? Um, but you're considered out of control. You realize that you're, there's no control going on, and and since you're like that, everyone's paying for your attitude, okay? How can that best be handled? Uh, and I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, because all of you are really smart people, okay? None of us can, de- can determine the circumstances that we're going to be in. None of us. And we're going to be caught totally by surprise by some circumstances. And I'm going to tell you something. We are, however, 100% responsible for our reactions. I know that's difficult, but that's, that's the profoundness of this morning I'm going to give you. Um, so you're going to have circumstances. Um, I know there's an adage that's been out there. I think my mother-in-law kind of be. She goes, two things bad have happened. There's going to be what? A third. Everything comes in threes. I don't know where that came from. I know, I know she didn't start it, but uh, uh, and I have, it has nothing to do with me having three kids. I, nothing at all. Because <laughs> um, that's good news. <laughs> it's not bad news. Um, but if you look at this, though, if you have circumstances, be assured it's not going to be one your entire life. And I think many of us could regale each other with the horrible things life has thrown at us. And if we look back, we could say, this is how I reacted, how I handled it. Was it good or bad? Or should I have done things different? And some people get you know, overwhelmed by the guilt of what they did in the past because of, of a bad decision. Uh, and I understand that. But we're still responsible for our, our reactions to those situations. Uh, what about other people? We got circumstances. What about other people? And I told people, and I've, and I'll tell you because you're people. <laughs> it's pretty easy. I would have a perfect life if it wasn't for other people, right? Wouldn't you all have a perfect life if it wasn't for people? You know, and and there's certain things that people do that drive you nuts. And here's what's happening: uh, if a spouse is in a bad mood. And I think there's a oneness in marriage that comes, which is kind of interesting. The spouse is in a bad mood. Now the other spouse joins in. And those two bad moods now are at each other's throat because they're both, and, and probably by the end of the day, they couldn't tell you why they were in a bad mood, but they now hate each other kind of an issue. Uh, and now are both in a bad mood. No one's talking. Everyone's yelling. Everyone's uh, distant from each other. Everybody's angry. What's going on? And this oneness in marriage has ruined both their days. You can giggle. We've all been there. <laughs> you know? Uh, but here's the interesting thing. They are not in control. They are not in control. Here's who's in control. And I've heard this I don't know how many times. You don't know how mad he made me. Ever heard that? Or let's flip it because I want to be fair and equal. You don't know how mad she made me. She's ridiculous. You don't know my wife like I know my wife. She's She drives me crazy. And know what's happening? They are in control of your reactions. 
They are in control of your life. And it's, you gotta ask yourself, is God in control? Or am I allowing that person, allowing that person to take the reins of my life? You with me? I think this is important because once you say someone did this to me, or this happened to me, or you don't know the things I'm going through, those things and those people are now in control of your life. And, and I think it comes especially in marriage because we're in the same house all the time. People are together. And I think especially in marriage, we have problems of saying that person's done something to me. Like, that's the intention of what's going on. I purposely want to murder you. Kind of thing. That does happen. That keeps Bobby in business. But um, those kind of things don't always happen. What happens is it escalates into a problem of who's controlling life. And I think as we regroup and look at ourselves, we have the free choice to allow anything to influence and control our life, and we need to stop. And sometimes it says, get your breath, step away, and ask yourself, Who's in control? For instance, the Bible says the wife is to be in submission to the husband. At the same time, submission doesn't allow for act of orders by the chief uh, commander-in-chief of the home. Uh, the wife is not to be a doormat. She is to be a helper. Because at the same time, the same verses, it says the wife is to submit to the husband. It says the husband is to love the wife. And if you're, if you're both doing what you're supposed to do, no matter who burned the chicken or who left the, the uh, lights on, or who left the garage open all day, or whatever happened, if you're doing what the Word of God says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved His church. Now, if you think about it, what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. Are you willing to die for her, or you want to kill her? See, there's two different issues going on. Okay? If a husband's loving the wife, listen, if the husband's loving the wife, the wife will respond with submission. And when the wife is in submission, proper submission, not the doormat, guess what? He's going to love her. Okay? Uh, and, and let me say this, husbands, love is not about you. Get the narcissism out of your life. Love means it's all about her. So when God and Christ loves the church, it's not about him at all. It's all about the church. Kind of get the picture? This is not counseling. It's just the truth. Okay? Uh, uh, and a husband often, because he's in, in a, I, I don't care what we're in, we still have male domination in society. That's the way it's the framework is built because God put it that way. And it's not to be domineering. There's a difference. But a husband can confuse leadership with doing it his way. I don't know. If, I don't know what where Frank Sinatra got his lines for doing it my way. But that's what a husband says. If if you don't do it this way, you're not doing. Which listen. If, you're, if the husband's always saying, do it my way, and it's forced upon his way, and there's not a communication that says, let's work out terms of what we're doing, and I can't give you a specific, because one doesn't come to my mind right away, but if that's constantly happening, and leadership is used to, doing, to, to, a, to being a, a, a hand upon something to do it his way, you're going to basically take that wife and crush her volition. And if you, in other words, crush her ability to choose, crush her ability to make good, proper choices, and in doing that, you're crushing her. So guys, take that as a warning. Okay? Uh, now, here's what we got to do, since we're talking about this. Let's do this. Let's identify what healthy Christian responses should be. Isn't that a good thing? What's a healthy, a sound, 
or a biblically theological perspective on making good Christian choices. Okay, where would you find that? There, who got said that? You get, all of you get ten points. Or, or, or the one in the back. I'm not sure which one. Uh, so at the root of my reaction, the root of my reaction is right knowledge. It's not guesswork. You know, let's take the guesswork out of life a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to say something that I wish was automatic. You ever go to the doctor and the doctor takes a little hammer in your knee and your leg goes like, like, like a dead fish? You, know, wow. you ever hit your funny bone, which isn't funny? And your whole hand goes like this and dies. All of a sudden it goes to sleep. You go, oh my God, what's happened? So those are reactions. Those are called knee-jerk reactions. And I wish uh, that Christians knee-jerk reacted with right responses all the time. But I'm going to say that's never going to happen. But we can get better at it. I don't want to sound like a negative person. So where do reactions come from? There's only two places your reactions will come from. Ready for this? Your reactions will come by the word. It's, and that's called what we should know we should do. What we know we should do. That's why sometimes uh, Paul has to address ignorant brethren. You know what ignorant brethren are, right? Those that don't know what God's word says. And Paul's got to say, you should know this. Okay? Or we can react by the sin nature. Ready for this? This is what we feel. This is our emotional side. This is emotionally what I should do. And i got to release this because I'm mad as... And I'm not going to take it anymore. And somebody's going to feel this. Uh, yesterday we had an incident at, after we were cleaning up from baseball and one of the coaches said something to me. And I, and I did my favorite one because it bugged me what he said. I just went, okay. Because I knew he was mad at someone else. And I happened to walk into the realm and he said something and it didn't mean it that he was mad at me kind of thing, but he just snapped. And I'm, I'm too old for people to say things like that to me. I just... Because I didn't want to what? React to him. So I had to give myself... That's my way of dealing with it sometimes is whatever. And he, they already know I'm, I'm called the duck. Know why I'm called the duck? Because I either bend over and let it go over my head or it hits me in the back and it slides off. And I just don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't let things get to me because why? Because I used to do that all the time. My normal reaction was to react. And I can. And sometimes, you know, that does happen. I'm not perfect. I'm working on this too. That's why I'm writing this, okay? Uh, but we have to, we have to mark, if we're talking about how do we identify Christian responses, we have to mark what are actions, listen, what are actions and what are reactions. We have to make a distinction between those two. Uh, and I think that's important because most of us react to situations, not act towards situations. You, do you get what I'm trying to say? we got to take the knee-jerk out of it because we can't knee-jerk with the Word of God. Most of us don't. We knee-jerk with, emo- with human emotions. But we can act with biblical actions, and that's when we have to take a step back. And that's hard because uh, some of us... Say, I'm not going to take it anymore. I understand that. And there's certain things you shouldn't. But that comes with what? That's communication sometimes. Uh, so, and we've already looked at this. There are, by, uh, in the Bible, expressions of God's will. This is what God says to do. So first of all, I know most of you can do this and know this. If you're a believer today, you've already submitted to God's will. Because God's will is that all men be saved. 
God wants us all to grow. If you're growing today, your sanctification, you're doing well. Um, so those things are important. Uh, but I'm going to give two sub-points that I need to do this so you can get this. Sub-point number one, there are those commands that are not embedded in our mind, so therefore we must study the Word of God. There are commands that we don't innately know. Uh, we have to say, spend time in the Word of God to study it, to say, what do I need to know how to, in, in order how I should take an action towards something? So there are things we need to... Uh, that, that are not embedded in our conscience, that we have to spend time in the Word of God to study them. And study doesn't mean, oh, I read through it and i got to grab it. It's mean, make it part of who you are. You should be a, a Word of God walking around. You don't need to carry this and say, okay, that just happened. Let me try and find what verse that is. What verse was that? I'm not sure, but it may be in the Bible. No, we should have it embedded in us, and the only way to do that is spend time in God's Word. Secondly, it requires distinctive distinction relative to the age we are in. In other words, there's a whole bunch of laws and, and understandings about sacrifices. How many of you are making sacrifices today? We, we, we just don't do that. So obviously, uh, there's a, a group of do's in the Bible that, we are, that are relative to our age we're in. Um, for instance, if you read the book of James, James is a lot of imperatives. Some are do's and some are don't. Okay? Let's just turn to James just for a sec. Let's, let's look at just a, an idea. Because I think most of us haven't looked at James in this manner. So, um, let's start in verse uh, chapter 1. We're just gonna, I'm just going to go through a couple of these. Well, yeah, a couple. Let's do, uh, how about verse 2? Because this kind of works with what we're talking about. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How many of you have had various trials? Let me give you an example of what various trials means. It's really, it really comes down to the word manifold. Um, any of you know anything about cars, a manifold may have six outputs or eight, or depends on the size of it, but we're going to say this is like a fly's eye. You're going to have many trials of various kinds. So that's why they put various in it, but it really means uh, a, a whole, whole slew and variety. But according to the Bible, anything you have is not uncommon to man. In other words, whatever you go through, someone else's beaten down that door already. You understand? So, in that framework, you are to consider it. See that very first word? That's a command. And consider means, can you engage your mind in this situation? Can you think this through? Can you think in this manner that no matter what happens in your life, does it kill your joy? So if you say, I'm mad at my wife, I'm going to pick on that again, she now becomes the what? We've, we've coined a phrase for that. She's the killjoy. Right? Or whatever it is. I'm not going to say that because somebody will walk out of here and say to my dear sweet wife, she's a killjoy. No, she's not. But whatever allows us to lose our joy that we've allowed it to happen is now our killjoy because you haven't thought biblically through it. And that's a command. So if you haven't done that, you've the first command there in James, you've You've kind of blown by. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. 
with that is uh, verse 16 same chapter do not be deceived be deceived my brother now talks about uh, being temptation and how temptation has uh, works in our lives and if you allow temptation in and and birth sin uh, and you've made excuses up you've been deceived so it says don't be deceived do consider don't allow this. So there's two commands right there in the first chapter that we should be dealing with. Um, verse 19, it says, uh, This you know, my, bro- my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So he's saying right here, you know, is a command for you to know something. You know that everyone be quick to hear. Are you listening a lot or are you talking too much? Slow to speak. In other words, don't react in what? Don't react in anger. Don't react to somebody's situation. Kind of check yourself. Do they have something going on? Or Like yesterday, I knew the guy was mad about something the whole day, and I kept out of his sphere a little bit because he's a nice guy, but something was bugging him, and I just happened to show up at the wrong time he snapped. And I said, listen, I was slow to speak. I never even answered him. Didn't. And uh, I, and I really don't care, because what would have happened? The next part would it says slow to anger. I know both of us would have had a little quick words at each other, and I didn't. I'm not doing that. Okay. Uh, for anger, for the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That's as easy as that. If you're angry, it's not 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 the step you should be in. So these are really good places to be. Um, go over to chapter uh, four. Chapter 4, just look at a couple of these. So we're doing, we're basically saying, what are the do groups and don't groups in the scripture? And we're just simply looking at some commands. And I'm doing that in James because James is a book full of commands. So verse 7 says, submit therefore to God. That's pretty good. <laughs> submit is a, is a uh, imperative. We are to submit to God. And how do you submit to God? Well, there's two sides to it. Allow God's word to work through your life. And then the second part says resist the devil. Because why? We're in the world uh, and we have his viewpoint all the time. So we've got to submit to God. Therefore, resisting the devil. We resist the devil. Therefore, submitting to God. They work hand in hand. Draw near to God. So he's kind of reiterating what he said in verse 7. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Hey, that's pretty good for today. We're all sinners. That's why the coronavirus is doing what it is, because we're sinners in the world. Cleanse your hands. That's good. But what it's basically saying is, deal with yourself. Deal with your walk. Because we're all still dealing with certain things. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. That means there's a time for that, to be miserable, to mourn and to weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and turned is also a command. Humble yourselves, therefore, which is also a command, in the presence of God and he will exalt you. Put yourself in the right place. Allow God to do certain things through you. So these are really good commands. And we could say, have I done these? If you haven't, you're not a doer of the word. It's pretty simplistic, I think. Uh, and we need to see that. So let's talk about the negative response one would have uh, to God's word and God's way in a believer's life. And I believe we fall under God's disciplinary plan. God desires his children to get out of this realm, not to be like that. God wants his children to be what? Holy as he is holy. 
Do you know that? That's why we're spending even time in Matthew. Matthew's talking about your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees because they had an outward righteousness. And he, he urges the Jewish people that he's talking to to have a righteousness from within, a holiness from within, not an outwardly uh, disguised holiness, uh, not outwardly revealed holiness, that you look to the world holy, but inside you're a mess. Um, so God wants his children to be like that, and he wants us to take actions to get out of that situation. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 was written, and that's why in, he, in 1 Corinthians 11, he says some of those believers that were not acting right and being very uh, wrong at the Lord's Supper uh, died. I don't know if that's really good. We're going to do Lord's Supper in a few weeks. If you're not right with God, he'll kill you. I don't think that's really good promotion for the Lord's Supper. But he was saying this is what occurred in Corinth at that time. But a positive response to God's truth is obeying the actions of the words that are commands, followed with reactions to his word commands. In other words, uh, Peter was told, feed the flock of God. Now, Peter had failed God. Uh, a couple uh, at that night where he uh, denied him three times, and later, uh, when before Jesus ascended, he gave Peter a mandate to feed the sheep, uh, feed the lambs, feed the flock, take action in that, and then Peter, Peter will later say, "We need to feed the flock." And what are we feeding them? The word, and that's really good. So if we're feeding, listen, if we're our our, our promotion and what we do here is to feed the sheep and you don't come and you don't get fed it's kind of hard talking to the choir but if you don't come don't get fed you're disobedient too i i just don't understand when people say well you don't know what happened i couldn't get to church today i couldn't be a part of a place that's learning i i I, this arose and and the priorities are all messed up but they don't realize the first thing they're doing It's disobeying God, because God says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. And if you do that, and you're just saying my priority is not God's word. You know, I I don't think uh, we're a pneumatic filling station. In other words, you just need to come here Sunday so you get filled up. And then wait till next Sunday because you ran out of air and get refilled. And then next Sunday, but at the same time, if you're not here, there's a lot of things you can't do spiritually that God, and I'll get into that probably next week in the second hour a little bit. But I think it's it's wrong. Um, in First Peter, he also says, do not render evil for evil. That, again, that's a, a react correctly to situations. If someone did you an evil, don't repay them for evil. We're going to be talking a little bit about retaliation uh, again next week. In, in, no, tonight, today in Matthew. We're going to talk, what are you, what are you going to do? Somebody does something to you and you're going to take it out. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to get even. No. And most of us don't want to get even with somebody that does something. Right? We want to do what? One up them. Uh, and it's interesting. In the Bible, do you know evil in the Bible is mostly verbal abuse of some kind? And I think sometimes we don't realize uh, how verbal we are and how often our words have hurt people that... That old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's a lie. I don't know whoever made that one up, but they're liars. Okay? Because words do hurt. Uh, But the principle that we should have is uh, don't return sin for sin. Return it with a blessing. So let me talk real quick two things. Uh, Action. An action can be planned. 
That's the difference. A reaction is not planned. A reaction is a knee-jerk rea- uh, th- uh, uh, happening to, to a circumstance that, that occurs. Uh, an action will get, listen, an action will get the response we need. Or we want. That's a planned action is to get the desired response. It's not manipulation, which is a practical means of implementing self-centeredness. This is a way to handle things so the type of person that you're dealing with will not be one that's domineering you by an action. You'll be in control. Again, a, a reaction is usually a bad action to a bad action. And that tells us a lot of where the person's usually at. And uh, I've counseled enough things in, in my life to know that most things occur when the second person says something to the first person who says something to the third person who then, before you know it, it's escalated into, what was that all about? They did what? They parked in your parkings. What are you talking about? I've seen it in this church where people will sit in someone's seat and someone will look at them like, they're in my seat. I didn't know we had assigned seating here. But I've seen it happen. And somebody gets all bent out of shape. I go, really? There's 199 of them. Pick another one. Well, sometimes there's other people in it. Be careful about that, too. But, uh, uh, but a bad reaction tells us a lot more. Uh, uh, listen, it's important for us to know that self-control places you in the driver's seat of your life. And I think that's important. I've seen all those bumper sticker that says God's my pilot, God's my co-pilot, God's whatever. But if you're if you're driving the car of your life, God is in control of you, and now you're taking the reins to the wheel. Uh, so who I am is due to my reaction and action to life circumstances along with a deep sense of responsibility. Take responsibility, and all of that things is saying I am in control of my life and the things that happen in my life. Uh it's interesting, one of the things it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is a pastor must have self-control. Therefore, he's not on the whim of everyone's suggestions. I don't know how many times in my life somebody's come up to me and says, Pastor, here's what you're to preach on. Okay. And know what my reaction is? You want to see it? <laughs> Sometimes I'll say I'll take that under consideration. You know, kind of thing. But, I, but um, I know in the past that some pastors are dominated by a board, dominated by somebody in their church that gives a lot. or does, and, I, and that's why I don't know who gives what. I just get the same spreadsheets you would get that I posted on the board this morning. I see the same numbers you see. But I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't care. I, one of the coaches of baseball, I know the baseball thing, sorry, but I'm going to tell you this. He always says, hey, how much money did you guys take in? I go, we're not a, we're not a, you know, I said a five and dime store to him because I wanted to see if he knew what it was. I'm not looking for numbers. I don't care about attendance. I don't care about buildings. I don't care about cash. I care about you all learning. And that's what we're here for. And that's why we're talking about this idea of self-control. I want you to grow so that people don't, uh, affect your life and you allow people to control you. So let's close in prayer and uh, get some coffee. Father, we thank you for this time. A blessing as we come together to talk about this uh, idea of self-control. 
uh, probably one more week on this and look at more uh, biblical information about it. Father, though, we want to be those kind of people that react so people can say there's something different about us. We're reacting and acting, and our actions are in a biblical manner because we allow you to give us a moment to step back. We're spending time in your word to to think your thoughts after you. Father, again, we thank you for this time that we devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen.